St. Thomas Aquinas, great doctor of the church, says that the proper effect of receiving Holy Communion is to transform us so much into Christ that we can truly say, I live, not not I, but Christ lives in me. Commenting on this supernatural transformation affected by the most blessed sacrament, this lifting us up into a life of holiness by receiving communion, blessed Dom Marmion asks, quote, How is this spiritual transformation brought about? In receiving Jesus Christ, we receive him holy, body, blood, soul, and divinity. Christ makes us sharers of his thoughts and his sentiments. He communicates his virtues to us. But above all, he enkindles in us the fire that he came to cast upon earth, the fire of love, of charity. That is the result of this transformation produced by the Eucharist. Christ is ever-living, ever-acting. In coming to us, he unites our members to his own he purifies, he uplifts, he sanctifies, he transforms, as it were, all our faculties so that we love God with the heart of Christ. We praise God with the life of Christ. We live by his life. The divine presence of Jesus and his sanctifying virtue penetrate our whole being, both body and soul, with all their powers so intimately that we become other Christs. Close quote. In other words... By its very nature, God has established Holy Communion with the power to transform us into saints and very great saints. If we've received our first Holy Communion and we're not yet saints, if our being has not been completely penetrated and transformed to the point that we become other Christs, it certainly can't be because of some lack of sanctifying power in the most blessed sacrament. If we're not saints yet, it can't be because of some lack of sanctifying power in him. He's God. What's the problem here? Why aren't we all saints after our first communion, or tenth communion, or hundredth communion, or a thousandth communion? Why aren't we saints? St. Thomas points out that the amount of grace we get when we receive a sacrament is proportional to our disposition at the very moment we receive the sacrament. In other words, the more prepared we are at the moment of reception, the more grace we receive. Another way of looking at it, or another way to say that is, the less prepared we are, the more obstacles we've placed to the action of a sacrament, the less grace we receive. The more prepared, the more grace. The less prepared, the less grace. In other words, if we're not saints after our first Holy Communion, it's because of some obstacle in us. Everyone is here because he wants to be a saint. There's not many people left going to Mass anymore. If we're going to Mass, we presume you want to be a saint. I certainly have that working assumption for everyone here. We want to be saints. Let's ask ourselves, what are the possible obstacles then in us that are blocking the sanctifying action of the most blessed sacrament? What are the possible obstacles and what can we do about it? What are the possible obstacles in us 
that are blocking the sanctifying action of the most blessed sacrament. This morning, we'll take a quick look at seven possible obstacles to our sanctification. Seven things that may very well be keeping our spiritual arteries choked down or blocked. Seven obstacles that can prevent or retard our spiritual growth in communion. We'll briefly consider the first six obstacles and then spend a little more time developing the seventh, okay? Let's get started. The first possible obstacle, mortal sin. Just as a hamburger has absolutely no nutritional value to a dead man, so also Holy Communion is of absolutely no spiritual value to a spiritually dead man. Mortal sin is the same as saying spiritually dead. It's absolute and total barrier. Absolute total barrier. We should rather die than commit a mortal sin. We're trying to get to heaven. We die without mortal sin. We've got it made. That's the first and most serious barrier. Second possible obstacle, deliberate venial sin. Deliberate venial sins. These are ones done with tension, perfect deliberation. They completely close off our path to holiness. We're not talking about venial sins that we commit out of weakness, out of surprise, out of lack of attention. Without special graces from God, the Council of Trent teaches, we can't avoid those kind of venial sins, what we might call semi-deliberate venial sins, but deliberate, cold-blooded venial sins, where we decide, all right, I know this is insulting you, God. I know I'm showing contempt for you, God, but it's not serious enough to send me for hell, so I'll just do it. That sort of venial sin, that sort of contempt for God, makes it impossible for us to grow in holiness at Holy Communion. How can we be constantly, if, we, if we're going to commit deliberate venial sins, not by accident, but just cold-blooded do it like that, and then come to communion and ask Him to make us holy? They don't work together. Third possible obstacle, a lack of generosity in pursuing God's will and uniting our will to His, dodging crosses that God sends us, not embracing his clear will, when we clearly see it. I'll quote a spiritual writer. Quote, to advance, there must be great fidelity to God's will. Rules in all other manifestations of God's desires must be faithfully followed. One's own daily duties have to be carried out with great exactness and watchful purity of intention. There is need of generosity in refusing God nothing for which he is clearly asking. The more one abandons oneself to God's will by cheerfully accepting all his dispositions and lovingly trusting all his plans, the quicker he shall advance. Close quote, Father Eugene Boylan. So if God sends a sickness rather than health, adversity rather than prosperity, bad weather rather than good weather, crosses instead of caresses, and we whine, we complain, we deliberately dodge our daily duties, we're actually closing down our spiritual floodgates so it's much, much more difficult to go in holiness at each communion. It's one of the reasons this little book that if you don't have, make sure you ask it. We try to give it out to everybody uniformly with God's will by St. Alphonsus Liguori is so useful. We read this, we put this into practice, read it and reread it, and it will help us so much to overcome this obstacle. Mortal sin, venial sin are obvious. This sometimes is not as obvious. If we're whining about the weather, we might not think about that affecting our communion. It will. Fourth possible obstacle, lack of bodily mortification. That's why we have Lent. Quote, there can be no progress without a mortified life. Now, this does not mean a life of great corporal penance. It is our self-love that we must mortify. 
We have to mortify our self-love and attempt extraordinary or unusual corporal penances without a clear call from God and the approval of some proper authority, that's like your director or the confessor, is usually only a subtle form of self-seeking. There should be sufficient corporal penance to keep the body in subjection. Little things, just saying no to little things every day, huh? That's Father Eugene Boylan I was quoting. Little things. That's what Lent helps us do. These 40 days of Lent prepare us. It's like a little basic training, but it carries us through the year. So we get a habit of being having the power to say no to something. You know, there's nothing wrong with sweets, but I'll have less of them. There's nothing wrong with this, but I'll do less of that. I'll take. It's getting the power to say no to our body so that we're in charge of our body and it's not dragging us around. So that's the fourth possible obstacle. And it's a formidable one if we don't have uh, the virtue of temperance. Fifth possible obstacle, lack of interior mortification. Quote, Father Boylan, it must also always be remembered that it is by interior mortification of the memory, of the imagination of the emotions, and by the ready acceptance of humiliations that the greatest and quickest progress is made. What does that mean? Well, he continues, to give free rein to one's thoughts, to indulge in reveries, to build castles in the air, to dwell constantly on old memories, to nurse one's grievances, to allow wounded pride to dictate one's thoughts or feelings. All such habits are far from being truly mortified. Close quote, Father Boylan. We can't nurse those old grudges. There's a saying, forgive and forget. We have to forgive. But the devil, at least, is going to make sure we don't forget. But when these things come up, we just drive them away. We say a little prayer for for whomever, whatever the situation is, and we just drive them away. But we don't bathe in it and have some sort of morbid pity party with ourselves. For example, when we find ourselves getting angry at someone, we say a prayer for them and move our mind away and so forth. We have to mortify our interior moods, our interior thoughts. Okay, we have to move away from this sort of a thing where we don't want to have a Copernican, we need to have a Copernican revolution. We don't want to keep ourselves as the center of the universe with everything revolving around what we think. That's interior mortification. Sixth possible obstacle, we'll quote St. Alphonsus, quote, lack of spiritual reading. The reading of pious works fills the soul with holy thoughts and good desires. The person who keeps the mind filled with devout thoughts such as spiritual maxims, examples of the virtuous action of saints, will be kept almost always united with God. Close quote, St. Alphonsus. See, we're immersed in this fallen, disordered world, but we're meant, of course, to be headed towards heaven. If we don't spend some time filling our memory and our imagination with heavenly images, with holy thoughts, with holy images, then our memory and imagination will be filled with worldly thoughts and images. It's that simple. Either we fill our minds in our imaginations with heavenly and holy images and thoughts or they'll be filled with worldly images and thoughts. It's that basic. If we spend all our time watching stuff that's trash, we're going to have trash in our mind. If we spend time reading good things and watching good things, we'll have good things in our mind. Okay, those are all pretty obvious. First, six possible obstacles to the sanctifying power of Holy Communion, to our growth in holiness, our mortal sin, deliberate venial sin, Lack of generosity in embracing the crosses that God sends into our life. Lack of bodily mortification. Lack of interior mortification. Or lack of spiritual reading. That's the first six. Now let's look in a little more detail at the seventh possible obstacle. Seventh possible obstacle is the lack of mental prayer. 
We'll rely on St. Alphonsus here with my editorial comments uh, thrown in all over the place. St. Alphonsus, quote, All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. I'll repeat that. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. Mental prayer... Well, what are you here? We're here to become saints. And all the saints became saints because of mental prayer. Mental prayer consists in three parts. Preparation, meditation, and conclusion. Fancy words for beginning, middle, and end. It's easy. How hard is that? Preparation, meditation, conclusion. Preparation. There's three acts. An act, this is according to St. Alphonsus. It's not the only way. I put one in the bulletin today according to St. Teresa of Avila. They work. You just pick a method, but then you go with it. I'll tell you at St. Alphonsus. Three acts. An act of faith in the presence of God, an act of humility, and a prayer for God's guidance. Preparation has three acts. An act of faith in the presence of God, and no matter where we are, God's there. An act of humility, and a prayer for God's guidance. The acts might run something like this. Act of faith. My God, I believe that I'm in your presence, and from the depths of my nothingness, I adore your majesty. Done. Doesn't take long. It's going to take me a lot longer to explain than to do it. Okay, my God, I believe them in your presence from the depths of my nothingness. I adore your majesty. Act of humility. Lord, because of my sins, I should be suffering the pains of hell right now. I'm sorry for having offended thee. In your mercy, please forgive me. So he made the act of, of faith in the presence, act of humility. Lord, I'm, because of my sins, I should be suffering in hell right now. I'm sorry. Please have mercy on me. Prayer for God's guidance. Eternal Father, for the love of Jesus and Mary, please give me your light during this prayer so it will be profitable to me. These are just examples. You can use your own words. It's not a formula. It's just if we go through this, it's, it's, we're disposing ourselves to make a better mental prayer. We place ourselves in the presence of God. We make an act of humility. You're God, and I'm not. And then we ask him for help. That's what's going on. So that's the beginning. Okay? Following that, we say, Hail Mary, to ask Our Lady to help, and a glory be to ask St. Joseph, our guardian angel, and our patrons to help. Okay? How hard is that? To start mental prayer, act of faith in God's presence. My God, I believe you're here present with me. An act of humility. I'm nothing, you know, but I, I, I and I'm sorry for my sins. Have mercy on me. Uh, we're begging for light. Uh, for the love of Jesus, Mary, Father, give me light. Okay, then we say, Hail Mary, and glory be, in honor of Our Lady and St. Joseph, our angel and our saints. How hard is that? Everyone here, even little kids, everyone that isn't an infant can do something like this. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. That's the preparation. What about the meditation? We use a book or a holy image of our Lord like a crucifix or the stations or a statue or something. You don't have to learn how to read to be a great saint. It isn't a reading club. There's nothing wrong with reading, but little kids that have no idea what words are can read perfectly illiterate people. It doesn't matter about reading. We find something. A a, a good Spanish crucifix is pretty realistic. That works well. A statue, an image of the Sacred Heart, whatever. If we're reading, we read slowly in 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 a good book, a meditation book. Stop as soon as something strikes us. And then move on after we've extracted the thought. And all this is just a means 
to help us begin to speak to God from our heart by making acts of affection. Now, affection, when we're talking about a mental prayer, doesn't mean that you really strain to get those little tingly things up and down on your back. It doesn't have anything at all to do. If you get them, that's fine. I don't care. But that's not prayer. Prayer isn't about how we feel, okay? Acts of affection. We're making acts of faith, thanksgiving, praise, charity, adoration, love and sorrow. These are examples. My God, I esteem you above all things. I love you above all things. I wish every man on earth loved you. Make me know what your will is and give me the grace to follow it. Dispose of me in all its mind according to your holy will. My Lord, I am happy because you are God, the highest good, lacking in absolutely nothing. These are affections. It doesn't matter how we feel. That's the affection. We're making acts of the will. That's what's important. We're telling God we love him. It's also the greatest importance during meditation to make lots of petitions during mental prayer. We humbly and confidently are asking God for his guidance, for forgiveness of sins, for perseverance, for holiness, for a holy death, for the salvation of our friends, and especially for the grace to love him more and more. Once a person has the love of God, he has every other grace. What if we get to where we're so distracted, so dry, that we can't do anything? St. Alphonsus, this happens to people, recommends using this prayer of David. Oh, God, come to my aid. Oh, Lord, make haste to help me. We can just keep saying something like that over and over again. Nothing is more profitable during meditation than the practice of making petitions over and over again in the name of and through the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. He it is who made the beautiful promise, I tell you truly, if you ask the Father anything in my name, he'll give it to you. Have you noticed during Mass that we end almost every prayer in the Mass. Perdonum nostrum Jesum Christum filium tuum quite. We're always saying, through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son. We ask everything we do, then at the end, then I'm saying something. Why? Because our God has promised that you ask the Father anything in my name, he will give it to you. That's why I do that up at the altar. That's why priests do that. We can do that in our mental prayer. Why did he become a man? He became a man to help us become holy. Why are we trying to do mental prayer? So we become saints. That's what he wants us to. He wants us to be saints, and then we decide to cooperate. Believe me, he'll start making us saints if we start mental prayer. He'll move you up, everyone here. At the end of the meditation, we should propose to be careful, to avoid a particular fault which we commit frequently, we're concentrated on one virtue which we have many chances to practice, such as putting up with something, somebody highly annoying that we live with or work with, or to be more conscientious regarding a particular rule, or to make a greater desire to curb our desires for some particular thing. We should never finish mental prayer without making a particular resolution. I want, there's something I'm going to do. Today, Lord, I am not going to be snippy with my boss. Something like that. Whatever. Okay. That's the meditation. How hard is that? We use a book or a holy image. We read slowly or ponder it slowly. And then when something strikes us, we pause on that. We use the book as a means to make affections, to get us going. My God, I love you with all my heart. I wish every man on earth loved you. Dispose of my, of you will. And so forth. We're making these affections with our heart that we want to give him everything. He's God and we're not. We ask God for all kinds of things, his guidance, especially holiness. If we're asking him to make us holy, he will grant that. We may have to keep knocking, but he gives the very example. If you keep knocking, he'll open. We have to keep pursuing that holiness. He wants us to be holy, but he wants us to work at it because he knows how we are. If he just gives it out instantly, we won't take it seriously. 
So we have to ask him for it, okay? He wants to give it to it. He's a good father. We ask him for a holy death, to love him more. And we ask especially for things in the name of and by the merits of our Lord Jesus Christ. We make a particular resolution, like today I'm really going to be patient with my obnoxious coworker, or rather than walking around all day uh, looking severe, I'm going to smile. I already said that. We're Catholic. We can get our sins forgiven. If that's not something to smile about, if Catholics can't smile, then who can? We ought to be able to smile. How hard is that? Even the really little kids can do something like this. Mothers, you can teach the smallest kids, as soon as they're old enough, to start doing mental prayer. It doesn't have to be anything fancy. They're talking to Jesus on the crucifix. They're talking to Mary. That's mental prayer. Have them do that. Okay? That's the meditation. We've looked at the preparation. We've looked at the meditation. What's the conclusion? This is the ending. The meditation will come to an end with three acts. First act, we thank God for the lights we received during the prayer. So the first one is, thank you. Second act, we resolve to keep the resolution we just made. Third act, we pray to God, the Father, through Jesus and Mary, for the grace to keep that resolution. It's one thing to resolve to do something. We need grace to be good. So we ask him for it. Okay? So, we're done with St. Alphonsus. Thank you very much. We'll go on. That's the conclusion. We thank God for the lights we received. We resolve to follow our resolution. We pray to God, the Father, through Jesus and Mary, for the grace to keep our resolution. How hard is that? Even little kids can do that. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. Everyone here except the little itty-bitty babies can do this. Let's make sure we have this part down. Quick review. Mental prayer has three parts. Preparation, meditation, conclusion. In the preparation, that's the first part, three acts. Faith in the presence of God, humility, prayer for God's guidance. Second part, meditation. Read slowly, stop when something strikes us, make affections like, Dear God, I love you and would do anything for you. My God, I love you above all things. You're the highest good, lacking in nothing. Make petitions, especially for the love of God. Make a particular resolution, such as to avoid a particular fault. Third part, conclusion. Thank God for the lights received. Resolve to follow our resolutions. Pray to the Father through Jesus and Mary for the grace to keep our resolution. Let's close. We've seen if we're not saints after our first Holy Communion, it's not because of any defect in our Lord. It's not because of any defect in our Lord. It's because of obstacles within us. We considered seven common possible obstacles. First possible obstacle, mortal sin. Don't go to communion in mortal sin, go to confession. Second possible obstacle, deliberate venial sin. Third possible obstacle, dodging the cross, lack of generosity in pursuing God's will. Fourth possible obstacle, lack of bodily mortification. Fifth possible obstacle, lack of interior mortification. Sixth possible obstacle, lack of spiritual reading. Why do we spend so much time on the seventh one? Because every one of these first six is solved or can be solved if we get serious about mental prayer. Mental prayer will get us the graces to overcome all the rest. Mental prayer. It is true that our holiness comes principally, the grace that we get in life comes principally through the sacraments, but the grace we get from the sacraments comes principally from our prayer life. It's what opens the floodgates. The prayer life will give us the grace to conquer any of these first six things that we're not doing. If we start mental prayer, the other things are going to go away. Mental prayer and sin can't stay together. They can't. Okay. So the seventh possible obstacle is the lack of mental prayer. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. I'd like to personally challenge everyone here. It's Lent. It's coming up. Take 15 minutes a day 
and mental prayer. It may seem like an eternity, and the devil will probably make it seem like that in the beginning if you don't have the habit. But start with 15 minutes a day. All the saints became saints because of mental prayer. It's an investment in your eternity. It's an investment in your happiness here, an investment in your happiness hereafter. All the saints become saints because of mental prayer. Get a book. Get started. We're here to become saints. This Lent, let's strive to remove every possible obstacle to our sanctification.